Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Friday. The weekend is upon us. You can do the happy dance. It is the 18th day of August, 2023, and this is Squirrel Chatter. A podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain Time on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. Oh, it's Friday. I am so glad it is Friday. Um, remind everybody I'm preaching at uh, Blackfoot Community Church. Is it Blackfoot Community Church or Blackfoot Community Bible Church? I should look that up. We will look that up real quick. But I am preaching in Ovando this week and um, looking forward to that. I'm uh, searching the web as we speak to get the exact name of the church. It's the only church in Ovando. It's that beautiful uh, um, log church that I preached at a couple of weeks ago. Blackfoot Church Ovando. Search. Blackfoot Community Bible Church. There we go. I couldn't remember the exact name. So it's Blackfoot Community Bible Church. Service time is at 10 a.m., and so we'd love to see you there. Um, if you are in that area, small, beautiful log church. Uh, like I said, I preached there before, um, but I will be there Sunday morning preaching and uh, looking forward to that. And uh, so that's my plans for the weekend. <laughs> uh, I got to finish writing my sermon and get it printed out and all of that stuff that uh, gets done. Every time you get ready to preach, um, I said it's, uh, I'm out of the routine of writing a sermon every week, um, which I had to do when I was in the pulpit. I shouldn't say I had to do, I got to do that every week. Um, now I preach, you know, a couple times a month in different places, um, which does allow you to use the same sermon more than once, um, as you, uh, get to uh, plug in um, the message several times because uh, you're preaching it to different audiences. But uh, this week it's going to be an all-new sermon, and uh, so i am got to finish that up today and tomorrow and then preach it on Sunday. Um, and as a wise pastor once told me, a preacher never finishes writing a sermon. You just run out of time and you have to preach what you got. <laughs> Um, and that's really true because when we think about how deep the scriptures are as we read and as we study, 
our our time in the Word, everything just gets deeper and deeper and deeper, and uh, that's what happens there. All right, let us now. Oh, hey, what else do we got? <laughs> we have prayers in the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ, and it's Federalist Friday. We are looking at Federalist number 33 today, continuing on the discussion of taxation. Before we get started with anything, I need to refill my coffee. Boy, it's been hot here. I think I mentioned earlier in the week that we've had days over 100 all week. Unusual for us. But again, last week was unseasonably cool and wet which we normally don't get uh, wet, rainy days in August, and we had a whole week of that. So that they, it balances out. But this week it's been in the high 90s, low 100s. And uh, we've had some smoke socking in from areas around. And smoke is like a blanket. It holds in heat. And so it did not cool off last night. Um, as soon as I'm done with the podcast this morning, I am turning on the air conditioning here in the office because it's, it's already starting to get stifling um, as we look at uh, another hot day. What is our weather going to be today? I just haven't looked at any of that yet today. According to the WeatherPro app, which is the app that I use most often, it is currently 67, and it's only going to be 90 today. Only 90. Ah, we got cool, uh, cooler temperatures. 90 today, 89 tomorrow, 88 on Sunday. Rain Sunday and Monday. Monday's looking at 74 degrees. And then it's going to climb back up into the 80s for the rest of next week. So it looks like our, our heat wave has broken, which is a... Uh, a good thing, but I haven't looked at the, the air quality of the fires and such not, um, which is always an issue. And uh, Monday, I, I have plans to drive over to Idaho to have lunch with Jim Osmond and Andrew Rappaport and Josh Comstock, some friends from over there. So that's going to be a fun day on Monday. But that'll be after our Monday Meandering podcast. So we will be here Monday morning. All right, let us begin, as is our practice, with the Prayer of Confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, and now our daily reading, our, our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ by John MacArthur. Today's devotional is entitled, Jesus and Non-Retaliation, Liberty. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too, Matthew 5.41. Dr. MacArthur writes, The concept of liberty is much cherished in the United States and other democratic nations. The Declaration of Independence famously speaks of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Patrick Henry of Virginia used the bold oratory, Give me liberty or give me death. These sentiments were derived from biblical principles, although sometimes altered from those ancient origins. God's intention from the beginning was for mankind, created in his image, to live in perfect liberty, both spiritually and physically. But the fall ruined this idea and introduced such corrupt concepts as slavery and subjugation to totalitarian governments. Democratic governments have tried, although imperfectly, to protect the liberty of their citizens, sometimes even extending such freedoms to foreign visitors and immigrants. However, civil liberties should not supersede our duties to righteousness or our obligation to display a faithful witness. Jesus here makes the analogy between surrendering liberties and the Roman law that could force a civilian to carry a soldier's pack for a mile. Except for facing them in battle, Roman troops were not as despised by their opponents as when those people were obligated to carry the troops' packs or other equipment. Yet our Lord teaches that we should be willing to go the extra mile for someone else, even at the expense of our cherished liberty. In so doing, we are worthy ambassadors for Christ, realizing that in him we have eternal liberty that can never be taken. Ask yourself, who in your regular life, or who in your life regularly, asks you to go the second mile for them? What is your usual response to their demands for your time and energy? How do you strike the balance between being sacrificial and maintaining boundaries that help you protect other godly priorities? So practical stuff to think about today from Dr. MacArthur. Your liberty and your obligations and how do you deal with that in your daily life. All right. Well, it is Friday. It is Federalist Friday. We are looking at Federalist number 33 today as we continue to read through the Federalist Papers. This is again on the subject of taxes, <laughs> so an ever-popular subject, no doubt. The title of today's Federalist Paper says it's, it's Federalist number 33. The same subject continued concerning the general power of taxation. From the Daily Advertiser, Thursday, January 3rd, 1788. Author, Alexander Hamilton. To the people of the state of New York. The residue of the argument against the provisions of the Constitution in respect to taxation is engrafted upon the following clause. The last clause of the eighth section of the first article of the plan under, the, under consideration authorizes the national legislature to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper 
for the carrying into execution the powers by that Constitution vested in the government of the United States or in any department or officer thereof. And the second clause of the sixth article declares that the Constitution and the laws of the United States made in pursuant thereof and the treaties made by their authority shall be the supreme law of the land. Anything in the Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary, notwithstanding. These two clauses have been the source of much virulent invection and petulant declamation against the proposed Constitution. They have been held up to the people in all the exaggerated colors of misrepresentation as the pernicious engines by which their local governments were to be destroyed and their liberties exterminated, as the hideous monster whose devouring jaws would spare neither sex nor age, nor high nor low, nor sacred nor profane. And yet, strange as it may appear, after all this clamor to those who may not have happened to contemplate them in the same light, it may be affirmed with perfect confidence that the constitutional operation of the intended government would be precisely the same if these clauses were entirely obliterated, as if they were repeated in every article. They are only declaratory of a truth which would have resulted by necessity and unavoidable implication from the very act of constituting a federal government and vesting it with certain specified powers. This is so clear a proposition that moderation itself can scarcely listen to the railings which have been so copiously vented against this part of the plan without emotions that disturb its equanimity. What is a power but the ability or faculty of doing a thing? What is the ability to do a thing but the power of employing the means necessary to its execution. What is a legislative power but a power of making laws? What are the means to execute a legislative power but laws? What is the power of laying and collecting taxes but a legislative power or a power of making laws to lay and collect taxes? What are the, what are the proper means of executing such a power but necessary and proper laws? This simple train of inquiry furnishes us at once with a test by which to judge of the true nature of the clause complained of. It conducts us to this palpable truth that a power to lay and collect taxes must be a power to pass all laws necessary and proper for the execution of that power. And what does the unfortunate and culminated provision in question do more than declare the same truth, to wit, that the national legislature to whom the power of laying and collecting taxes had been previously given, might, in the execution of that power, pass all laws necessary and proper to carry it into effect. I have applied these observations, thus particularly to the power of taxation, because it is the immediate subject under consideration, and because it is the most important of the authorities proposed to be conferred upon the Union. But the same process will lead to the same result in relation to all other powers declared in the Constitution. And it is expressly to execute these powers that the sweeping clause, as it has been effectively called, authorizes the national legislature to pass all necessary and proper laws. If there is anything exceptionable, it must be sought for in the specific powers upon which this general declaration is predicated. 
The declaration itself, though it may be chargeable with tautology or redundancy, is at least perfectly harmless. But suspicion may ask, why then was it introduced? The answer is that it could only have been done for greater caution and to guard against all caviling refinements in those who might hereafter feel a disposition to curtail and evade the legitimate authorities of the Union. The Convention probably, probably foresaw what it has been a principal aim of these papers to inculcate, that the danger which most threatens our political welfare is that the state governments will finally sap the foundations of the Union and might therefore think it necessary in so cardinal a point to leave nothing to construction. Whatever may have been the inducement to it, the wisdom of the precaution is evident from the cry which has been raised against it. As that very cry betrays a disposition to question the great and essential truth which is manifestly the object of that provision to declare. But it may be again asked, who is the judge of the necessity and propriety of the laws to be passed for the executing of the power of the Union? I answer first that this question arises as well and as fully upon the simple grant of those powers as upon the declaratory cause. And I answer in the second place that the national government, like every other, must judge, in the first instance, of the proper exercise of its powers and its constituents in the last. If the federal government should overpass the just bounds of its authority and make a tyrannical use of its powers, the people, whose creature it is, must appeal to the standard they have formed and take such measures to redress the injury done to the Constitution as the exigency may suggest and prudence justify. The, proprietary of a, the, proprietary, the propriety of a law in its constitutional light must always be determined by the nature of the powers upon which it is founded. Suppose, by some forced constructions of its authority, which indeed cannot easily be imagined, the federal legislature should attempt to vary the law of dissent in any state. Would it not be evident that, in making such an attempt, it had exceeded its jurisdiction and infringed upon that of the state? Suppose again that upon the pretense of an interference with its revenues, it should undertake to abrogate a land tax imposed by the authority of a state. Would it not be equally evident that this was an invasion of that concurrent jurisdiction in respect to this species of tax, which, is con which, is con which its constitution plainly supposes to exist in state governments? If there ever should be a doubt on this head, the credit of it will be entirely due to those reasoners who, in the imprudent zeal of their animosity to the plan of the convention, have labored to envelop it in a cloud calculated to obscure the plainest and simplest truths. But it is said that the laws of the Union are to be the supreme law of the land. But what inference can be drawn from this, or what would they amount to, if they were not to be supreme? It is evident they would amount to nothing. A law, by the very meaning of the term, includes supremacy. It is a rule which those who, to whom it is prescribed are bound to observe. The results from every political association. 
This results from every political association. If individuals enter into a state of society, the laws of that society must be the supreme regulator of their conduct. If a number of political societies enter into a larger political society, the laws which the latter may enact pursuant to the powers entrusted to it by its constitution must necessarily be supreme over those societies and the individuals of whom they are composed. It would otherwise be a mere treaty dependent on the good faith of the parties and not a government, which is only another word for political power and supremacy. But it will not follow from this doctrine that acts of the large society which are not pursuant to its constitutional powers, but which are invasions of the residuary authorities of the smaller societies, will become the supreme law of the land. These will be merely acts of usurpation and will deserve to be treated as such. Hence we perceive that the clause which declares the supremacy of the laws of the Union, like the one we have just before considered, only declares a truth which flows immediately and necessarily from the institution of a federal government. It will not, I presume, have escaped observation that it expressly confines this supremacy to laws made pursuant to the Constitution, which I mention merely as an instance of caution in the Convention, since that limitation would have been understood, would have been to be understood, though it had not been expressed. Though a law, therefore, laying a tax for the use of the United States would be supreme in its nature and could not legally be imposed or controlled, yet a law for abrogation or preventing the collection of a tax laid by the authority of the state, unless upon imports and exports, would not be the supreme law of the land, but a usurpation of power not granted by the Constitution. As far as an improper accumulation of taxes on the same object might tend to render the collection difficult or precarious, this would be a mutual inconvenience, not arising from a superiority or defect of the power on either side, but from an injudicious exercise of power by one or the other, in a manner equally disadvantageous to both. It is to be hoped and presumed, however, that mutual interest would dictate a concert in this respect, which would avoid any material inconvenience. The inference from the whole is that the individual states would, under the proposed Constitution, retain an independent and uncontrollable authority to raise revenue to an extent of which they may stand in need by every kind of taxation, except duties on imports and exports. It will be shown in the next paper that this concurrent jurisdiction in the article of taxation was the only admissible substitute for an entire subordination in respect to this branch of power of the state authority to that of the union. Publius. And again, we see the uh, vocabulary employed in what was a newspaper article in the day, how far our education has fallen. All right. Let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. 
He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the colic for the 11th Sunday after Pentecost. Almighty God, give us the increase of faith, hope, and love, and that we may obtain what you have promised, make us love what you command. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Now the colic for endurance. Almighty God, whose most dear Son went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain, and entered not into glory before he was crucified, mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find it none other than the way of life and peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Now the colic for the unrepentant. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, that is Squirrel Chatter for today. That is Squirrel Chatter for this week. Remember, I'm preaching in Ovando at Blackfoot Community Bible Church on Sunday. And hopefully you are at your church on Sunday. If you don't have plans to go to church on Sunday, change your plans. You need to be in church. All right, folks. Do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here on Monday for another episode of Scroll Chatter. Take care. Go to church. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster. Of course there's bad churches. Um, Then go find a good one. And if you have to drive to get to it, then it's worth the drive, I would say. You know? So get in your car and go. I mean, how bad do you want it? I mean, how important is the truth to you?